Well, I'm excited about light the night. I'm excited about glad tidings taking the light out from underneath the bowl, Harvest Festival, and letting it shine for all to see. The, uh, the local church is really more of the equipping ground for you. It's where we equip you and send you out to be the salt and light that you are. And so instead of running and taking shelter in our churches and keeping the good news for ourselves and keeping the light for ourselves and having fun parties for ourselves, we're taking the Jesus party out where people need to experience Jesus. And so I'm really excited about this change I know a lot of you love Harvest Festival, the big party. It's fun, fun, fun. Um, but God put us on this earth for a purpose. And it's not so we could have our holy huddles, but it's so that we could bring this good news to our neighbors. So this is a great opportunity. Um, somebody say opportunity. It's an opportunity. And it's going to be a little, maybe a little more work for you instead of showing up and the party's all planned. Uh, you get to plan your own party. But we want to partner with you and help you do that. So thank God for, for Mickey and our team. They're doing a fantastic job. We're excited about the harvest that's going to come. Uh, I know Friday night the ladies got together for their real life fall event. Uh, and I heard it was amazing. Um, I just thank God for, for my wife and the team that put it together and almost 400 ladies came Friday night. Isn't that incredible? I mean, God's moving among the ladies. Uh, we thank God for that. And in just two weeks, um, Friday night, uh, October 13th and into Saturday, October 14th, the men are doing an overnight retreat, uh, in Fremont, Nebraska. And, uh, um, guys, you gotta go. I'm just telling you, you got to go, uh, um, just DVR the game. This is more important. You don't want to miss this, this incredible day. Uh, we're going to dive into the heart of a man and I'll be sharing. Uh, we've got a guest who's coming, who's going to tell how his story, it's very, very powerful. Um, we're not going to give you all the details. We want it to be kind of a surprise for you guys because, uh, you're so planned and calculated. What time does this start? And what about this? And what about that? Just show up. Now we're going to have an amazing time. You can register at the table in the lobby. So looking forward to that. Well, today I want to talk to you about giving God the first bite, giving God the first bite. Uh, and I want to actually talk to you about money today. And, and here's why. And please don't leave. If you do, I'm going to call you out. Just teasing. Uh, in the Bible, there are over 500 scriptures on prayer. That's a lot. Uh, there are nearly 500 scriptures on faith, uh, but there are over 2,000 scriptures in the Bible that have to do with money and possessions. Uh, in fact, 16 out of 38 parables that Jesus told had to do with money. And the reason is, is because Jesus said this. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. How many of you know that money is like a huge, huge, huge part of our lives? It's big. It takes we spend 40, 50, 60 hours a week accumulating it, planning, spending it, saving it, giving it. It's big. It's a huge part of our lives. And we can't just kind of pretend it doesn't exist. We have to say, God, what do you have to say about this very important subject? And uh, so I want to talk about today. Um, and how your, your money, how you handle your money rather reveals a lot about your priorities and a lot about your loyalties. Um, I want to, 
I want to give you this example today. Let's uh, let's say that God gives you 10 apples. How many of you like apples? Yeah, it's that time of year, right? God gives you 10 apples. There's one, two. Why don't you count with me? And, and do it in your own native language. This can be fun. All right. How many apples? Okay. A couple questions for you. All right. How many of these apples belong to God? Man, you are smarter than I thought. I, I just, all of them belong to God. And, and how many of those apples does God expect us to return to him? One, one of them. And what does this represent? The tithe or, or a tenth or 10%, right? That's what God wants us to return to him. Now, let me ask you, which apple does God want us to give back to him? The first apple, the first, what do we call that? The first fruit. Ah, isn't that amazing? That's what you want. So let's review. God owns all the apples. He wants us to return one of them, in this case, a, a tithe, 10%. And he wants us to return the first fruit, the first apple that he gives to us. You guys are brilliant. All right, I need uh, four volunteers to help me here on the stage. Now, don't just all run up yet. You have to have three things, okay? Here are your qualifications. You have to love apples. You have to love taking risks. All right, and this last one's really, really important, Okay. You cannot be a germaphobic. All right. I need four people. Okay. These can be guys and gals. I need four people. Come on up here. Four. One, two, three. First four come up here. You're the winners on the price is right. Come on up. All right. Give me a hand right up here. Line up right up here. Right up here. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. I love it. Um, very good. Okay. So um, God gives us all the apples. Right. All of them. He says, I want you to return the first one to me. But how many of you know life happens? Right. Yeah. <laughs> come on, you're the participants. Uh, life happens. Right. And things come up. Um, and, uh, you know, it's that time of the year where winter's coming. And, you know, we, we were looking at the tires on our car. And some of you are going, oh, I need to get some tires for the car. But you don't, you didn't plan on replacing the tires on your car. So you're like, how are we going to pay for this? And you go, I know. I know what we'll do. We'll take the first fruit and we'll buy some tires. So go ahead and get that red apple if you don't mind. So you need tires for the car. So you take a bite out of the first fruit. Go ahead and take a bite. It's good, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a honey crisp. How many of you like honey crisp? Oh, okay. How many of you like golden delicious? So sorry for the golden delicious honey crisp. Give God the first, give God the best, right? But things come up and they're changing the tires on the car. Is it good? Don't lie to me. Okay. So changing the tires and they realize the brakes are bad. There's another three, $400. Take another bite. All right, pass the apple on. Pass the apple on.
your, it's your wife's birthday. And you totally spaced it off. You didn't plan for it. You didn't budget for it. What are you going to do? You got to take care of your wife, right? Come on, man. You got to take care of your wife. So you go out and you buy her something really nice and expensive. Go ahead and take a bite. Take a bite. While you're out getting that gift, you're you're thinking, you know what? My anniversary is only a week away too. Um, A big bite. We need another big bite. So, you know, here we go. This is life. Isn't it? Life happens. Things happen. What happened? All right. Pass on the apple now. All right. Soccer season starts, you know, and you forgot you got to buy the cleats and the pads and, and you got to pay the fees for, for soccer for the kids. And you didn't plan on it. So now you got to take a bite. Go ahead. Take a bite. Where else are you going to do it? You know what? And it's been a long time since you've really done something for yourself. And so, you know, one day you go, you know what? I need, I just need a break. Come on, ladies. I just need a day at the spa, but I didn't plan for it, but I deserve it. So I'm going to take another bite because I need that spa treatment today, now. Mmm. All right, pass the apple on. Okay. Now, are you are you married? Are you married? Okay. That's good. It's good for me to know that a little bit. Oh, you will be. Oh, okay. All right. Good. So here's what happens. You know, you're doing your thing. You're living your life and you meet this girl. Come on, guys. You know, you had everything under control until she showed up. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, you had every dollar accounted for every dime. I mean, you knew how to you, you had it going, man. Everything was great. And then you met this girl and she ruined your life. I mean, she ruined your financial situation. And so all of it. So you met this girl. You got to take a bite. You met this girl, right? First day, you know, you went to McDonald's. I mean, you went to, you know, what's that place? Uh, Bonefish Grill, man. And that took a big bite, you know? And then you like, you were thinking, I got to pop the question, but this is going to cost me something. Big time. Didn't have it planned. Another big bite. Awesome. Very good. Um, it's looking a little slobbery there. Are you okay? You doing all right? You, you good with this? How many of you guys are just getting a little woozy? You know what I'm saying? A little woozy here. So, um, let's say what else? What do you like to do? Like for hobby? What do you do? You like to draw. I hear pencils are really expensive. Take another bite. Another bite. <laughs> All right. Um, did I miss anything? Oh, it's your mo- it's Mother's Day coming up. You got to treat your mama right. Yeah, there you go. Two bites then. Man, how you guys? Are you guys feeling okay? You doing all right? Aren't these guys doing awesome? Aren't you doing? Let's give them a hand. Thank you so much. You can be seated. Appreciate your help. God, this was my tithe. It was my first fruit. But man, life happens. Things come up, God. Right? God, here's my first fruit. Here it is. But God, I want you to know. I know this isn't exactly what you get, but I want you to know, God, you are worthy of all honor and all glory and all praise. Right? God, here's your, here's your first fruit. Don't we do that? How many of you want, how many of you want some honor and glory? Anybody? 
Anybody want this honey crisp? Do you think God wants this? No. What, what does God want? God wants our first and our best. Right? He doesn't want our slobbery leftovers. Right? God says, it all belongs to me. Right? I want you to give back a portion. 10% back to me. And I want the first bite. Right? I want you to understand something here today. And that is simply this. The first, I got to be careful. I don't want to touch that. I'm a German. The, <laughs> the first and the best belongs to God. From Genesis to Revelation, the first and the best belongs to God. God says, you know what? Um, you, can, you can do whatever you want with those other nine golden delicious apples. You can eat them. You can give them away. You can pay your bills with them. You can sell them. Whatever you want to do. But I want the first and I want the best because the first and the best always, always belongs to God. I want to lay a foundation and we're going to start in the Old Testament and I'm going to go through a number of scriptures today. But I want us to understand, first of all, that God owns everything. God owns everything. Okay, so the shoes you're wearing today, they're not your shoes. The car you drove in, you're you're right, Pastor, the bank owns that. (laughs) It's not your car, right? The house you live in. The Bible says this in Psalm 24, verse 1. The Bible says the earth. That's a lot of real estate. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Look at this. Psalm chapter 50, verse 10. For every animal of the forest is mine. Every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the insects in the fields are mine. Killed that mosquito. God, I just killed your mosquito, right? (laughs) killed another one. They belong to God. Everyone, even the insects belong to him. Haggai 2 verse 8, the Bible says, the silver is mine. The gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. Heard about a church that was growing and they ran out of parking space. And the pastor, he he noticed that the the shopping center across the street from the church um, had a huge parking lot and it was always empty on Sundays. So he set up a lunch meeting with the owner of the shopping center and he sat down with the man and he says, sir, um, you know, I begin to recognize that on Sundays, your parking lot is like empty. Would you mind if the church borrowed your parking lot on Sundays? And the man said, I think that's a fantastic idea. Absolutely. He goes, I tell you what, you can borrow the, the, the shopping center parking lot 51 Sundays a year. And the pastor thought, well, but there's 52 Sundays a year. And the owner of the the parking lot said this. Yeah, I realize that there's 52, but you can borrow it 51 Sundays a year because I don't want you to forget who owns the parking lot. God established ownership from the very beginning in the Garden of Eden. Genesis chapter 2 verse 15, the Bible says this. The Lord took the man and he put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to care for it. And the Lord God commanded the man. He said, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. I want you to notice in this passage that Adam and Eve were were given the entire garden um, to work it and to manage it. 
They were given the entire creation to be stewards of, right? And God said, you can eat from any tree you want. You can eat from any of the nine golden delicious apples, but don't eat the one honey crisp apple. And by choosing to eat of the one tree that God said, don't eat from, they were acting as owners of the garden rather than stewards of the garden. Okay. Let me ask you this question. If God owns it all, how much do you own? If God owns it all, which we just read from scripture, how much do you own? We own none of it. So what does that make us if we're not owners? We're stewards. We're stewards. God's given us the whole garden. He's given us all. They be stewards of all of these trees in the garden. But this one tree I don't want you to eat from. So God gives us all of it. He puts he puts all of it into our hands and he asks for us to give the first and the best back to him. Are you with me? Now, we also see this idea of the first and the best in the firstborn of all creation. The firstborn belong to God. Look at this scripture with me. Exodus chapter 13, verse one. The Lord said to Moses, the Lord said to Moses, consecrate, which means set apart, consecrate to me every firstborn male, the firstborn offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to who belongs to me. God says, whether human or animal. Okay, here Godly plainly declares that the firstborn is mine. He says in the text, it belongs to me. Every firstborn child, every firstborn animal, all the firstborn of all creation belong to who? God, because the first and best belong to God. In fact, you'll find God declaring 16 times in the Bible that the firstborn are his. And according to the Old Testament law, when uh, the, the firstborn had to be either sacrificed as an offering to God or that firstborn had to be redeemed. That means it had to be bought back. It had to be ransomed with a substitute. OK, so, for example, um, let's say you're a, a sheep farmer, you raise sheep and your ewe gives birth to its first lamb. And you're like, yes. I'm successful. I'm a successful sheep farmer. Our first ewe had its firstborn lamb. What do you do with it? Well, this is good, right? What do you do with it? You kill it. That's what you do with it. You kill it. You sacrifice it up to God. You say, God, you gave us this first fruit. You gave us this firstborn. You give it back to God as an offering. The only time that you wouldn't do that is if that lamb had a defect. Okay? If it had some um, birth defect or, or something was wrong with it, then God didn't want that because it wasn't the first and the best. So you had to redeem that lamb. You had to redeem it. You had to buy it back or ransom it with a substitute. So you'd find a spotless lamb and offer that to God. Okay. Are you following me today? So God begins to set a pattern that he wants the first and the best. And in this case, he wants the firstborn. Have you ever considered how, how could God justify taking the firstborn of the Egyptians in that famous 
last plague that we read about in Exodus. How could God justify taking the firstborn of all of Egypt? I mean, God killed the firstborn of all the Egyptians. How could he do that? He could do that because the firstborn in scripture belonged to God. God has legal right to every firstborn, including the firstborn of all the Israelites. But how many of you know the firstborn of the Israelites did not die that night? Why not? They were redeemed, weren't they? Uh, they were redeemed. They were, they were bought back. They were ransomed by a substitute lamb. And it was called the Passover lamb. And so instead of the firstborn of all the Israelites perishing, dying that night, they offered a lamb in their place. And because of that blood that was shed, um, God passed over the Israelites. All right. The firstborn belonged to God. When God asked for the firstborn lamb, you had to offer it up in faith because you didn't know if that you would produce another lamb. You didn't know. God didn't say, now listen, after that you has had ten lambs, I want you to offer the tenth lamb. No, God says, I want the firstborn lamb. He did that with Abraham too, didn't he? Remember Abraham? God said to Abraham, I want you to offer your son Isaac as, a, as an offering, as a sacrifice to me. And early the next morning, the Bible says that, that Abraham got up, he saddled the donkey, he got the fire and the wood, and he got his son, and he said, we're going to go up on the mountain, and we're going to worship God. Immediate obedience. He understood that God wants the firstborn, right? God didn't say, listen, Abraham, after you've had ten sons, I want you to choose one of those ten sons to give back to me. He goes, no, Abraham, I want the firstborn son. Abraham could have argued with God. God, I tell you what, I'll give you one of my sons, but let me, let me get this. You know, let's see if this thing's working. Come on, 75 year old men. Let's see if this thing's working. Nobody got that. Okay, we'll move on. Uh, or you're too embarrassed to say amen. All right. God, it takes great faith to give the firstborn, great faith to give the first fruit, because we don't know if more, more births and more fruit are going to come after that. See, something supernatural happens when you, got, when you give God your first and your best. Something supernatural happens when you give God. Listen, when you give God your first and your best, he redeems all the rest. When you give God the firstborn, he redeems the rest of the family. When you give God the first fruits, he redeems the rest of the fruit. When you give God the first of your monies, the first of your income, God redeems the rest of your income. Isn't that amazing? See, God even modeled this firstborn concept. God gave his firstborn, his one and only son. He gave up his firstborn son, Jesus Christ, and he became the Passover lamb. And when God gave his firstborn, his firstborn son, it redeemed all the other sons and daughters of mankind. It's this principle of the firstborn. Why? Because God deserves the first and the best. Can you say amen? Not only do the firstborn belong to God, but the first fruits belong to God. We read about that in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. Proverbs 3, verse 9, the Bible says that we are to honor the Lord with our wealth. With the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Have you ever wondered why God accepted 
the, the offering of, of Abel and not the offering of Cain. Isn't that weird? I mean, you know, you'd think that God was kind of picking favorites there. God, why did you like Abel's offering and not Cain's offering? Let's take a look, look at it here this morning. Genesis chapter 4, verse 3. We'll read the story and then we'll talk. Genesis 4, 3. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of the flock. You see that word? The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very upset and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, you will be accepted. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Wow. So what's going on here? Why did God accept Abel's offering and not Cain's offering? What does the text say? The text says this, not this particular one, the one before it. The text says this, that Abel gave of the firstborn of his herds. Abel gave God the first and the best. But it says that Cain gave God some of his fruits. Cain didn't give his first fruit. He didn't give his best and first. He gave just some of his fruit. You see? And God looked at that and said, you know what, Cain? If you will do what is right, you will be accepted by God. If you do what is right, if you would give the first fruits, Cain, then, then, then I would bless you. But because of that, I can't bless you. And because of that, sin is crouching at your door. Powerful. The first fruits belong to God. Remember the battle of Jericho? The Israelites were just getting ready to enter into the promised land that God had promised to them. And the battle of Jericho was their very first battle going into the promised land. And God said something very interesting. Right before the first battle, he said this. He said, all of the spoils from this battle, all of the spoils from Jericho are mine. The first belongs to me. All of the spoils. He said, all the silver and all the gold, they belong to me and I want them in my house. That's what God said, right? Why? Because Jericho was like the first fruits of all the future cities and all the future victories that God would give to the Israelites. God didn't say, now listen, after you've conquered 10 cities, I want you to go to that 10th city and I want you to give me all the spoils from that 10th city. No, God said, I want you to give me all the spoils from the first city. The first city, Jericho, was the first fruits of God's blessing. And so they go in and, and it was amazing, man. They, they just shouted and the walls came down and they rushed in and they took all of these spoils out and they put them in the house of God. But something happened. There was one person that said, you know what? I want that robe and I want that silver and I want that gold for myself. And his name was Achan and he took it and he and he dug a hole in his tent and he put God's money. He put God's treasure in his own treasure. And meanwhile, the Israelites, they went up to fight the next city. It was this little city called Ai, right? Ai. And they thought, oh, we'll get in there. We'll take them on. No big deal. There's only a few men up there. We only need a couple thousand of our troops to go up. Don't send the whole tire. Don't send the whole army. Let them rest. And so the Israelites, they marched up to Ai and they thought they were going to kick some butt up there and they got their butts kicked. Right. That's uh, the Walt DeVries paraphrase. 
the Bible says that they got soundly defeated and they got chased down and over 30 men got slaughtered. Joshua comes back, he falls on his face before God. God, what's going on? He goes, you delivered us from Jericho. Why not AI? And this is what God said. This is what God said to Joshua. I want you to see this in Joshua 7, verse number 10. But the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why are you lying on your face like this? Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They have stolen some of the things that I commanded must be set apart for me. And they have not only stolen them, but they have lied about it and they have hidden the things among their own belongings. How many of you know God knows how to lay down the smack? Boy, he said it straight that day. The silver and the gold from Jericho, God said, those are the first fruits. They belong to me. I want them in my house. And but they took the Bible says, but Achan took took the treasure for himself. And what he thought was a blessing actually turned into a curse. And the Bible says that he was from that point on, he was accursed. And he actually was then destroyed because he took what rightfully belonged to God. Now, that's pretty strong. God is, he's setting precedent. He's saying, the firstborn belongs to me. The first fruits belong to me. And God makes it clear that when we keep the first fruits, when we keep the tithe for ourselves, we are stealing from God. We are stealing from God. And um, the Italian prophet uh, Malachi, um, Malachi, sorry. <laughs> yeah, he was a Jewish Italian prophet named Malachi. Uh, Malachi, the prophet, just needed a little laugh there. Malachi chapter three, verse eight. God said this, will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how is it that we rob you in tithes and in offerings? You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. And then he said this, God said to the prophet, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. So. The firstborn belongs to God. The first fruits belong to God. And the first part of our income, the tithe, belongs to God. Let me read from Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. The Bible says this, A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and it is holy. Now, we're not farmers here today. We're, we're doctors and we're teachers and we're contractors and construction workers and, and all kind of, we're students. All of us have different ways that we bring in income. We don't bring fruits in. We don't bring grains in. I didn't see any grain trucks parked up next to the church. I didn't see any flocks of sheep as I drove in today, right? So what is a tithe? Um, a tithe is mentioned 39 times in the Bible and every time it means a tenth part. In this particular passage in Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, it says this, that a tithe, it literally belongs to God. It belongs to the Lord. And then it says something very interesting. It says it is holy. It is holy to the Lord. OK, God considers the tithe holy. That word holy means separated or set apart. That's what that word holy means. In other words, 10 percent of your income, what God blesses you with. One of the 10 apples that God blesses you with is a holy apple. It is set apart and it literally belongs to God. It doesn't belong to God when you give it. It belongs to God when he gives it to you. Are you with me? 
It's not set apart when you set it apart. It's set apart from the day God gives it to you. It is holy. The tithe is holy and it belongs to God. So when we tithe, we're not giving. Tithing is not giving. Tithing is returning. Tithing is returning what really belongs to God. If I were to uh, lend Pastor Jason, he was sitting here earlier, first service. If I were to lend Pastor Jason the keys to my truck and he says, Pastor, I need your truck. I said, sure, go ahead, borrow my truck. Takes the keys, goes off, does this thing. He comes back. He says, Pastor, have I got a gift for you? And he comes up to me and he's got something in his hands. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. And he hands me the keys to my truck. <laughs> I mean, it's, that's no gift. You're just returning what belongs to me. It's my truck. You know what I'd probably do? I'd say, did you wash it? <laughs> wash it? Did you wax it? Right? Did you return it full? Are you with me? See, tithing is not giving. It's simply returning to God what belongs to him. Jesus was very, very clear about tithing. Let's jump to the New Testament. Some of you are wondering if that if I was ever going to go there. Uh, Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, it says this. Uh, Jesus was talking to uh, religious people who were tithers. And he said this. He said, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth. That's the tithe. You give a tenth of your spices, your mint, your dill and your cumin. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, faithfulness. And then he says this, he says, you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Can I tell you, if this was the only verse in the Bible on tithing, I would tithe. I've been tithing since I got saved in 1986. I guess that's like 31 years, you know, I'm feeling old at the moment. I was 16 years old and, and uh, I learned right away um, this this principle that um, that the first and the best belongs to God. The first fruits, the firstborn. I was taught that very early on, that that is what we return to God. And so I started practicing that very, very early on. And and of course, when we got married, we continued to practice that. Carrie was was tithing prior to as well. And uh, we've recognized over the years um, that we really have it. We've got it. Made, really. I mean, we really get the better deal. You know, God says, I'll give you 10. You can keep nine, eat them, do whatever you want with them. Just give me back the one. How many of you think that's a good deal? That's incredible. God would do that. Just just give me back the one. Why? Because I want you to know that the, the first and the best belong to me. And I think God also wants to know that he is first and best in our lives. Right? First and best. The reason he says give the first fruits first, right, is because when the when the car needs tires, right, and the girl needs a ring on her finger. Come on, ladies. Right. You've already given God what belongs to him. And somehow God's going to make it work with good stewardship and good financial practices. God will redeem the rest of the 90 percent. So. So who tithes around here, right? Who does that? I tithe, our family tithes, my kids tithe, our, our staff tithes, our pastors all tithe, our deacons tithe, all of our members here at the church tithe. Listen, every Christian should tithe because the tithe belongs to God. 
It belongs to God. And we're going, we're returning what rightfully belongs to him. I've had people say, well, pastor, I don't tithe because I'm no longer under the law. I'm under grace. I'm like, great. Then you give according to grace, right? Because if you give out of grace, you're going to give a lot more than 10%. (laughs) Right? See, grace, this is what happens. Grace compels you to give even more than 10%. But the law commands us to give 10, see? But grace will always cause us to give more than that 10. Now, uh, when did this tithing thing start? Can I tell you, this is so incredible. Um, Tithing actually began before the law was given. So before the law of Moses said, bring the tithe into the store, before the law was given, uh, there was tithing going on. 430 years before, um, before the law, uh, the Bible says that Abraham tithed. What had happened was he went to battle. Uh, he went to get back his nephew Lot and he went into this big battle and he came back with all these spoils. And, he, and on his way back, he met this priest named Melchizedek. How would you like that for a name? And Melchizedek was a priest and he was a king and he was a representation of Jesus Christ. And he met this king Melchizedek and Melchizedek blessed him. And he says, don't you realize, Abraham, that God gave you victory today? Don't you realize God has blessed you? And Abraham, in so many words, said, you know, I know, I know he's blessed me so much. I want to give back 10% of everything he gives me. That was before the law even existed. And so he gave Melchizedek 10% of all of his goods. And he says, I'm giving this to you. Uh, I'm giving this to you as unto the Lord. And he did that for Melchizedek. And what's interesting about that is, is Abraham didn't tithe to get God's blessing. Abraham tithed because he had God's blessing. And a lot of tithing preachers today will say tithe so God will bless you. And I'm here to say tithe because God has blessed you. Tithe because God has blessed you. Tithing was before the law and it was after the law as well. Jacob, 400 years before the law, Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jacob, he laid down one night to take a rest and he, and he, and he used a pillow, my pillow as a stone. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know how he did Why, you know, I mean, goodness sakes. Anyway, sleeping, his head's on this pillow, this stone, and uh, he has this revelation while he's sleeping of the goodness of God and the heavens open up and he sees this ladder coming down from heaven. I think it's a beautiful picture of God wanting to connect heaven and earth. And on this ladder, these angels are ascending and descending down this ladder and they're singing and God speaks and he shows up on this ladder and he says, he says, Jacob, I'm going to bless you. He says, I'm going to bless you like I blessed your granddaddy, Abraham, and like I blessed your your dad, Isaac, I'm going to bless you. And he says, every place you set your foot, I'm going to give it to you. And your descendants are going to be like the sands of the seashore and like the stars in the sky. And then he wakes up from this dream and he goes, oh, my goodness. Jacob says, God was in this place and I didn't even know it. And that's for somebody here today. God is in this place and you don't even know it. He's in the middle of what you're going through and he's right there and you don't even know it. And he has this amazing revelation. God, you're right here and you're so good to me. He says, God, I tell you what, I'm going to give you a tenth of everything you give me. What did Jacob have? He had a dream. He had a revelation. He had some promises from God. God says, I'm going to bless you. And Jacob said, you know what? Before I even receive the blessing, God, I want you to know I'm going to give you 10% of everything you give me. And that's exactly what Jacob did. Let me tell you this. A life that is touched by God 
will tithe. Jacob's life in that moment was touched. It was changed by God. And he said, God, you have touched me. You have changed me. God, the least I can do is give you a tithe of what you have given to me. A life touched by God will tithe. And can I tell you this morning that tithing is a test. We're going to wrap it up. Tithing is a test. We know that the word tithe means a tenth part. And did you know that the word ten in the Bible literally means testing? Okay. The tithe is literally a test. Ten means a test. How many commandments did God give us in the Bible? How many? How many plagues did God use to test Pharaoh? Right? Ten. How many times were, was Jacob's, um, uh, his salary, his wage changed when he was tested by Laban? Ten times his salary was changed. How many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? Ten times. How many times was Daniel tested in the first chapter of the book of Daniel? Ten times. See, this test, this tithing thing is a test for us. Do we understand that? Do we understand that the first and the best belongs to God? Tithing is a test. God's wanting to know, am I first and am I best in your life? See, God wants to redeem the nine golden delicious, right? He wants to rebuke the devourer over, over your life. And he does that as we say, God, you have first place in my life. That means, that means the enemy can't just have at it. He can't just hack away at my life because God is first and God is best in my life. It's interesting how this number 10 is, is um, associated with, with testing. Ironically, tithing is the only area in which we are invited to test God. So not only are we tested, right, with the tithe, but God says, why don't you test me with the tithe? And he says this in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. He says, bring the whole tithe. The whole tithe, not half the tithe. Bring the whole tithe into my storehouse that there may be food in my house. And then he says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. So here's my challenge, my takeaway to you today. Take God's test. He's putting you to the test. Now put him to the test. And say, you know what, God, you have first place in my life. God, you deserve the first and the best. God, you deserve the first fruits of my life, not the slobbery leftovers. Somebody say amen. In fact, let's get this right right now. God, you deserve the best. Let's get rid of this thing. God, we want to give you the best, right? And we want to give it first and right up front. And here's my challenge. If you don't tithe, I want to challenge you. Tithe on your next paycheck. Bring it into the storehouse. What's the storehouse? It's the place where you get your spiritual food. It's the local church. That's the storehouse. Back then it was the temple and then it became the local church. Bring the whole tithe in so that there may be food in my house. See, God's dream is to reach the world through the local church. And the monies that are brought in, the tithes that are brought in, the glad tidings, what do we do with those? We use those dollars to do what? To reach all people from all backgrounds right? With the good news of Jesus Christ, that there may be food in God's house. 
take the test. Honor God with the first fruits. Sometimes when ladies hear the message about tithing, they go, yeah, that's awesome. And they turn to their husband and they go, honey, we need to tithe. And he's like, oh, <laughs> you know, guys, they tend to kind of keep score when it comes to money. You know, they're like keeping track of how many hours it took to get this much money. And I worked hard for that. And, and, and you know, and, and that type of thing. Guys are just wired that way. Sometimes it's harder for guys. They just kind of count the cost. They, they use their heads more and, and they use their heads when it comes to tithing. Can I say, guys, don't use your heads. Use your hearts. Say, God, you know, you have first place in my heart. I'm going to give you the tithe. God, I'm going to put you to the test. Can I ask you this morning, can God be trusted? Huh? Can God be trusted? Can God be trusted? Listen, if we can trust him with our eternity, can't we trust him with our here and now? Can we trust him with our here and now? Ah, God, we thank you today for giving us everything that we have. Thank you for blessing us more than we deserve. God, I thank you that we have more than what we have need of. You have given us food. You've given us shelter. You've given us clothing. And God, you've given us so much more. And God, I, I want to just say for, for all of us today, God, forgive us for not trusting you in the area of finance. God, forgive us for robbing you of what belongs to you. And God, help us to trust you even more. Help us to trust you even more. God, forgive us for thinking that that we can do more by keeping it than you can do by me giving it. God, we trust you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want you to say this declaration with me. My first and my best belong to God. My first and my best belong to God. I want you to stand with me if you would. We're going to sing about the goodness of God as we close today. We're going to sing through this and Chris is going to dismiss us when we're through. And if you would like prayer following this song, our prayer workers will be available to pray with you today. God owns it all. God owns it all and he deserves our first and our best. So the king